0: All right, we're on. Hey, everyone. All right, quick word from the sponsor. You've got FIFO by Aaron Wesson, a hilarious novel about all the dodgy stuff that happens up in the FIFO industry. So if you want to go grab yourself a copy at Aaron Weston author, Instagram account or Facebook page. Just click on the link or the shop now button. For the kids, under the children's books by Aaron White on Facebook, just click on the shop now button. You have... Australian mining machines, mining machines colouring in book, Australian firefighters, Australian paramedic, Australian police vehicles, Australian self-lifesavers, Australian Defence Force machines. Yeah, and if you like what you're listening to or you like the video on YouTube, just like and subscribe and that'd be awesome. All right, cool, get into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Aaron White Show. We have a fantastic guest, Jessica Pinelli. Jessica is an empowerment coach and has a very own podcast, the Jessica Pinelli Pod. Welcome to the show, Jessica.
1: Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, you're most welcome. Hey, today I just want to hear your story, how and where you grew up, any life-changing events, and how you end up doing what you're doing today.
1: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Perth. Um, I was living... Up until I was about 9, 10, I was living up north of Western Australia, um, and then we moved to Perth, me and my family. So I basically feel like I have been in Perth most of my life, for what I can remember at least, Um, and went to high school, I went to uni, and then when I went to uni, just before I went to uni, my mum passed away, and that was when I was 18. So that became a very pivotal, and it still is a very pivotal moment in my life where everything kind of started to change, my outlook on life, what I wanted to do, um, how I understood how the world works. And I think for a long time after that happened, from about 18 to 21 to 23, I, I guess I just felt super sorry for myself. And so in going from a teenager to turning it into an adult, working out what I wanted to do. I I guess I was kind of in a limbo because I felt like this primary caregiver of mine, who had at the time I was like, she's been taken away from me, played into this victim mentality. I really struggled to find my place, and so I finished uni. Sorry, I finished high school, went into uni, and I was studying a business degree. And as I was studying the business degree about halfway through, so that's about four years, halfway through, I fell in love with going to the gym. I fell in love with the fitness industry and wellness and health and everything to do with that. And I was really conflicted because internally, I was like, the right thing to do is to finish off my business degree, I've gone to uni, get a nine to five job. And at this point, like i had been conditioned, I guess, by society by my high school that the right thing to do was get a nine to five job and so I was super conflicted and I thought how can I actually make this work where I have such a passion and love for fitness and health but have that as part of my life but finish this uni degree so I ended up finishing my degree but in the last six months I also smashed out my certs in fitness and then I graduated uni and I was just doing hospo jobs And I was like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? Do I go into the nine to five, just give it a shot and then see how I go. But I knew, I knew inside of me that it just was not the right thing. And I know for a fact that my mom wouldn't have wanted me to just do something for the sake of doing it. And so I always had that in the back of my mind. So I finished my starts in fitness, was working hospital jobs, and I decided just to do PT on the side, like mobile PT. And I started doing that. And I loved it. And I was like, I've made the right choice. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to be a personal trainer or a group fitness instructor or a gym manager, but I'm going to make this work because I know that I do not want to go sit at a desk. Like that's just not me. It just did not feel like me. And so as I was working my my hospital jobs, also doing mobile PT on the side, I got my very first group fitness job and it was actually one of the first F45s that opened up in Perth and I did that for a couple of years and I absolutely loved it slowly transition into going to another gym and just solely doing personal training and at the time as I was doing this and I was about 23 24 25 over these years I started to really get into personal development And before this, like I'd always loved reading books and learning new things, but I just started reading a lot more. I started looking up a lot of different things on YouTube, all of that type of stuff. And I remember predominantly my client base for PT were females. And I started to share little tips and tricks with all these females of what I was doing outside of the gym, because I came to this awareness that there is so much more to health than just physical health and so i had this awareness and i wanted to share that with my clients as well and so i started to share all these little things like my journaling um prompts or like if i was meditating um, what i would use to meditate sound wise and i just started to really enjoy that and it started to drag out that after the pt session with my clients i would be spending up to 30 minutes in between clients just speaking about personal development giving tips and, and sharing the other stuff that I was passionate about and so I remember when I hit I think it was about 24 now I got asked to speak at an event a female only event and it was with a couple of other women from Perth and they just said we want you to speak as a personal trainer like how you see wellness how you see see health all of that and this event had just over 100 women And I remember getting up on stage and I spoke about the importance of, yes, physical health, but there's so much more mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And I shared that and I spoke up on stage and I just remember feeling so lit up inside. I felt so inspired. I felt like speaking to all these women and sharing this different type of message of health and wellness was just so important to me. And I remember going home from that event and exhausting a journal of all the things I wanted to create. And in this journal was start a podcast, have a membership base, coach my client, coach one-on-one clients on the type of stuff that I'm sharing with my PT clients. But the problem was, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do. I'd always kind of fantasized about having my own business. And I guess being a personal trainer, I did, but I think more in a sense, literally not having a boss, like I am the boss. And obviously when you're a personal trainer, you still have to, give everything to a gym manager or, you know, talk to someone like that. And so I had all these ideas and all these things that I wanted to do. I wanted to share. And I remember just spending the rest of the evening. I stood up so late and I was like, how am I going to make this work? Like, is this, is this even a thing? What am I going to do? But what kept me stuck for about a year, year and a half was the fact that I had fear around what people would say. I had fear around failing. I even had fear around succeeding because you know we, we don't often talk about fear of succeeding, but when we are so used to a certain place in our life, it's the, it's the comfort zone, right? So even though you may think, oh, I really want this thing over here, that is still the unknown. That is still something scary. And it, that took me a long time to realize that I actually feared success. And now hindsight is a beautiful thing because I look back and I'm like, yes, I know that I had a fear of that. And so I kept doing what I was doing, PTing. I eventually moved to managing a gym and I moved where I was. I I moved to the city. I was in a beautiful apartment, managing gym, had flexible hours, good money coming in, good friendship group, great relationships, everything on paper you'd look at and you would think she has such a great life. And there was just something inside of me. I felt so unhappy. I felt so unhappy with myself. I had a very flexible working job with full-time pay great apartment as I said great friends and I just I still just felt this unhappiness and so when I was in this apartment I remember I bought a microphone and I was like I'm going to start my podcast bought a microphone it sat in my cupboard for six months and I wasn't even scared about what strangers strangers would say on the internet it was more what my friends and family would say because when I first released a podcast well back then it was like nearly four years ago now it wasn't a huge thing. People who had podcasts back then were more celebrity. And so for me, it was like a huge, huge thing. Like, wow, like I'm this outlier. Not many people have podcasts. Like how? Do, where do I even start? And I remember it was, yeah, about five, six months, I just kept this microphone in the cupboard. And then I think one day I had a really, really bad day at work. And I was just like, I need to make a change. I keep having all these ideas. I keep wanting to be my own boss. I I keep wanting to bring bring something to women that is different. And I keep making these excuses. And at the time, I was posting stuff on my stories. I was showing up on my stories, all of that type of stuff. But it just was not enough for me. And so I started my podcast. And I I remember recording it, my first episode. And I was so nervous to make a mistake or to say, um, or anything like that. And... I remember recording the first episode, I uploaded it to the server and I didn't say anything to anyone. I just like kept quiet. I kept it myself, uploaded it. And I think it was a few days later, someone messaged me on my Instagram, uh, a random girl and she's like, hey, Jess, I didn't know you had a podcast. I came across it on iTunes. And I was like, oh yeah, I just released it. She's like, it's so amazing. Like, are you doing weekly episodes? Like, what are you doing? And I think that little push, I've never forgotten that message. And I think that little push was like, oh, okay, there's people who are listening, there's people who are going to appreciate. So then I started doing weekly podcast episodes, and it was really another platform where I could get out my message and, and share with women what I was learning and, and, and all the things that were helping me, um, whether it would be with my mental health or you know, my overall well-being. And then fast forward a few months i was still in the i was still in this job and i was still feeling miserable and and even though life wasn't bad per se it just i wasn't fulfilled i wasn't fulfilled whatsoever and so i remember i got a message on instagram from a gym that i had networked with in bali so i'd been to bali a bunch of times on holidays this gym messaged me this was 2019 and they said our head trainer is actually going home for four weeks. Would love to bring on a guest trainer. We know you live in Perth, super close to Bali. Would you like to come? And one of my bucket list things as a PT had always been to go coach in another country. And so I was like, wow, like I I thought about this. I'd never really put it in motion and it's getting handed to me. You know, I manifested that. So I thought, of course, like I'm going to go give that. There'll be something new, It'll be something refreshing for me. So I remember I... I packed my bags and I knew I had about two to four weeks that I would go. And I think with my job, I was like the most I could probably take off is two weeks. So I remember going and got to Bali and the next day was the first day that I did coaching and I just fell in love with a different environment. I started to network. I met loads of different people in in the first week and then it got to the second week and I was like, I haven't felt this happy in so long. And I was also around all these nomads, all these entrepreneurs, you know, different types of coaches, people with e-commerce brands, um, traders, just everyone who could work from their laptop. And I was like, wow, I was, I was envious because I was like, I have had in my mind for so long that I want to do something with, with whatever I'm learning, all this personal development with my podcast, with everything, with women, but I just didn't know what to do. And I was like, okay, this, this is kind of possible. And I remember extending, quitting my job, extending the my trip for the two-month visa. And I started to show up a lot more on my stories. And I started to develop my first coaching program on confidence for women and mindsets for women. And I remember getting my first client and I just felt, I can't even explain how I felt. It was so overwhelming because I'm like, wow, I had all this momentum. As you do when you first start a business, you have so much momentum because You are so in the zone, like anything's possible, right? And so I was go, 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 got my first clients and it came to the end of my two-month visa. And I flew back home and the whole time on the plane ride, I was like, I can't go back to working for someone else. I barely had any savings at this point. And I was like, "I I know... That what I'm I'm giving to people and what I was doing in Bali, I want to make this work. I need to make this work full time. And to me, the driving factor wasn't, I want this. Like, this would be great. It'd be so good to work for my lifestyle. The driving factor was like there, right now that I've had a taste of this entrepreneurship, there's no other way. There's no other way to live my life. Like, th- this is what I want. And I remember getting landing in Perth, My friend picked me up. We went to lunch. And in that lunchtime, I booked another ticket to Bali for a week later. And I was like, I've just got to make it work. I barely have savings. I don't know I have a plan. I don't have a business plan. I don't know the logistics, like, you know, because for the two months I just had been on momentum. And so I went, moved out of where I was living, um, put all my stuff back into my dad's house and packed my bags and away I went to Bali and, kind of like what I started what I do now being a female empowerment coach and I created in the space of being in Bali and then I came back to Perth because of COVID I have created my program my one-on-one mentorship for women for busy women when it comes to lifestyles and relationship with self I created my membership platform Woman Up Monthly Uh, I you know started releasing regularly my podcast episodes on the Jessica Pennelly podcast and I really just fell into this this whole world of having this sense of fulfillment. And I actually had this talk with a friend the other day. Sometimes I often forget to, and now I've been in business just over a year, but I was having this conversation where I often forget to have so much gratitude for where I am right now, because this is exactly what I was envisioning. And that, that moment I had that talk, uh, with all the females and I came home in a journal. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do all this. Like everything, everything that I wrote down in that journal has come into fruition right now has been created. And so, yeah, that's where I, I'm at and, and that's kind of what has led me to this path and what I'm doing right now.
0: Oh. That's pretty cool. I'm just going to jump forward quite a few questions to hit on what the last point you just said. Well, I I want to know what's in the future for you. And i leave that towards the end, but I want to hit that and then we'll come back to other stuff. So what have you, you've hit everything that you Mm. kind of put down some years ago. What are you putting down today? Like, what are you wanting to do four or five years from now?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think my my next step is really scaling my business, taking on more private clients, more one-on-one clients, but definitely growing my membership as well and having a base because I think at the start when I started it, I didn't really know anyone who had a membership base in the sense of what I was wanting to do and and having a safe hub hub for females and personal development. So really expanding and growing that. And in this whole time, not only do I bring in my own experiences of life, but I've had mentors, I've hired coaches as well myself in the past year and a half, two years, and really just understanding how can I best serve people and have a reach. Um, and I think, you know, doing more talks, more public talks, getting my name out there, sharing the message, and really just expanding more globally. I would say that right now, my, my client base is definitely predominantly Australian, but nearly 50, 50 Australians and Americans. So for me, the goal would be to have clients all over the world and to get my name out all over the world and be known uh, and really be that that key empowerment coach for women.
0: So you're basically going to be like the Tony Robbins for the, yes. the girls.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Do you want to do an event yourself, like host the event yourself or are you you're happy just plodding along being a guest? To other people's events
1: i would definitely love to host my own events and i think i hosted a kind of a mini fitness one probably in the space of being in bali and doing a visa run but it was like the third visa run that i did i i did a, a mini one for girls in perth and i then when i went to back to bali and i was thinking okay i'm gonna host more events in in end of 2019, start of 2020, and then COVID hit. So then that kind of put that back, but that's always been in the back of my mind is that I have a vision for, I guess, workshops more so than event and facilitating, giving guidance in a bigger space, bigger crowd. And I think that will be one of the things, fingers crossed, that I'm able to hold and host probably towards the end of this year, um, start of next year.
0: You said that COVID's like, did COVID kick you out of Bali? Like was it hard getting back to Australia when you're over in, were you over in Bali at the time that COVID started?
1: Yeah. So I was I was over in Bali when COVID started. So COVID really started to get a name like November. And I didn't leave Bali until I think April. Yeah, so nearly a year. And for me, it was safer to be in a Western world. Yeah. Um and in hindsight because I could have extended my visa done an emergency visa and stayed in Bali but that probably would have only lasted four or five months and I would have had to come home anyway and by that point because COVID had gone so bad and the restrictions with Australia and the WA up, regardless of whether you were a citizen or a resident it was very hard to come back on a flight it was very hard to get a flight um, so I thought you know at the start when there's a possibility but in saying that I had three flights cancelled before I was able to get home and two of those first flights were cancelled like 24 hours before but the third flight was actually cancelled as I got to the airport and it wasn't until I had gone to check in that they were like this flight's just been cancelled five minutes ago and so the kind of the the stress kind of setting because I was like am I ever going to be able to get home and then you you have this fear like am I going to be stuck here and it wasn't it wasn't bad it wasn't oh my god I don't want to be in Bali but it's more the fact that you feel so restricted about being able to get home at any point in time but I eventually got home um and yeah spent COVID back home in Perth what
0: well, kind of spins me out of that is you're you know you normally when you go to Bali you book your accommodation for the week or the month or whatever and then your accommodations finish that day you check out of your hotel or accommodation and then you go to the airport to fly out so what's happening every time you're getting that um, that flight cancelled are you having to go back to your accommodation and hopefully you can get back in there or what happened with you?
1: So I was very fortunate for the last six weeks of me being in Bali I was actually living in a villa with one of my friends and she owned that villa so I was yeah I was very fortunate in that sense that I didn't have to rebook anything else and cancel my accommodation and and things like that it made it a whole lot easier.
0: Was, Was the government offering you guys anything for kind of stuffing you around or not?
1: No no and I Out of two, uh, yeah, two flights, I'm just trying to remember, two out of three of those flights, I still haven't been refunded for, um, even though for Asia, that was the, like, that's what's going to happen. I've been refunded for one, and I literally got that refund end of last year, like a full nearly 10 months after.
0: How was Bali going before you left with the whole COVID thing was, was lots of people getting sick or was lots of um businesses closing down or
1: yeah, so near towards the end of where I was leaving, businesses were starting to close down. Um, I guess it's really hard in the third world country because they don't really have the facilities or money to test like we do here in Australia, um, like they do in America and UK and stuff. So it's really hard to gauge of whether people had COVID, sick, etc. Where I was staying in Chengdu, where all of us were staying, there was a curfew. I think the curfew was either 8pm or 9pm. Um, there were still cafes and stuff open, but we still had to social distance, wear masks everywhere we went, um, sanitise, all of that. So for me, like the whole mask thing, I know a lot of Australians have really struggled wherever you are in Australia if there's been a lockdown and to wear a mask. But I think because in the, the past month I was there, we had no choice. We had to wear a mask. Um, so that was, you know, kind of regular behavior for us, but I've had a few friends that stayed there the whole of COVID. They're still there. Um, they just kept extending their emergency visa, um, and paying for that. And it's kind of gone up and down. Like obviously the economy there, they're not making money. So there's even more poverty. A lot more places have had to shut down. There's been a lot more, I guess, crime um you know they're doing the indonesians are doing what they can to fend for themselves but my friends that have stayed there I, I actually asked them this the other month i was like are you happy that you made the choice to stay there and they said yes and they said just because they've had people they've had themselves together so they weren't alone they weren't just one westerner there in bali but they also they see Bali as home because they have been there a lot longer than I had. And most of them are actually Americans. So they didn't want to go back to America, but yeah, it's been, it's been fairly normal. They still have a curfew, 9.00 PM. Um, there's still a whole lot of places that are shut down, but most of where I was in Canggu, most of the cafes, beach clubs are now reopened. Oh, that's good. Yeah.
0: All right. I want to, here's ha- a question for you. What are the main issues that you're finding that women are dealing with today that you that you try to help them with?
1: Yeah, the number one I definitely would say is the relationship that they have with themselves. And I think a lot of the time we try to look at external factors, what can we we fix outside of ourselves? So how can we how can we fix the relationships that we have with our partner or our friends? Or how can we fix this environment? Or you know whatever it may be but what we often and what i see with my clients and and women that i coach in my membership is that we forget that everything starts from within everything that we are every thought, every movement behavior motive reaction response is everything that is stored inside of us and so one of the biggest things that i work with with women is understanding who you really are what you're really feeling inside and a lot of the time you will make every excuse not to change the way you are because you want to blame someone else or an experience that you have and you play into that victim mentality. And what women don't understand is that you need to look at, okay, what am I subconsciously holding on? What have I been subconsciously holding on for a long time? What have I repressed? Or what what relationship have I not healed? And when I say relationship, I mean relationship with um an ex a relationship with a friend relationship with social media relationship when it comes to finances relationship when it comes to uh career so it's really what are you looking to blame what relationship in that sense are you looking to blame and that is always a reflection of what's happening inside so the the main thing would definitely be relationship with self and then definitely confidence Confidence with being who you are, who you want to be. And a lot of people think confidence can mean, mean arrogance or it can be cockiness and it's not. Confidence is different to everyone and confidence is all about how you feel about how you were navigating your life and how you can be your truest self. That's confidence. And my truest self is going to be different to your confidence and to your truest self, the way that I, perceive being fulfilled and happy is going to be different to the next woman's and that's that's one key modality i guess as we unlock is what is that confidence to you it's it's not it's not comparing to someone on social media or your friends or or what your mum told you or what your um your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend told you it's okay well this is how i would want to be if i was confident and it's about getting them from a to b
0: So you feel women still compare themselves a fair bit on social media? Like is that a pretty negative thing when you get all these Instagram models and all this type of stuff popping up and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's a very prevalent issue and I think it will continue to be a prevalent issue. I think it's looking at how do we deal with that? How do we look at what's happening on our news feeds and know that, number one, a news feed is always curated. It doesn't matter how transparent or whatever Raw someone is, there, there's always going to be an aspect that is hidden from social media. And that's fine. That's good having a personal life. But I also think it, it's understanding that you can do things such as audit your news feeds. You can, people forget, you can unfollow, you can mute, you can block if you need to. We, again, we play into this conditioned belief that we we can't unfollow or it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Like I go through my personal Instagram and I do an audit of people that I'm following. And when I'm, even if I'm going through the newsfeed, there'll be people I unfollow or I mute because I just don't need to consume their content anymore, or it doesn't resonate with me. And one thing that sticks out is a few months ago I was doing an audit and I started to, as I, as you clean up, you know, people start to come back on your newsfeed because of the algorithm And a lot of old fitness people I used to follow back from about eight years ago started popping up again on my newsfeed and I just unfollowed them. Not because I was, I was having insecurities, but I just didn't resonate with their message. I didn't resonate with what they were sharing with me. I wasn't, that wasn't a part of me right now. Not that gym and fitness isn't a part of me, but it's not my whole being right now. And so I think we're always going to have a problem where we compare ourselves. We're always going to have a problem where we, we look at someone else's curated news feed and we think, oh, they have such a better life than me or they're so much better looking than me. But know that you have a choice of what you consume. You have a choice of who you are consuming and how often you go on your phone, how often you go through these news feeds. But we don't like to hear we have a choice because we like to outsource the blame
0: do you get trolls
1: um i would say yes i do i for the most part i will delete the message and block the person because that person doesn't need to consume my stuff i also have people when it comes to trolls people are projecting their own fears their own insecurities they've read something or they've seen something and they think, okay, well, this is triggering me. I'm going to project my fear and my sadness and my anger onto you. And I'm going to hold you responsible for something I'm not going to work through. And you know, I, I've had people that have DM'd me or left a comment on my stuff and said, Oh, you you don't know what you're talking about because you've never been through anything in life. People who don't know me. And I think I have such a backbone now that I just don't, I don't let it get to me. I'll delete, I'll block, and I don't play into it, I'm always up for a discussion. I'm always up to have an understanding of someone else's perspective. I think that's so important. And I actually love hearing a perspective that is completely opposite to mine. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with you or resonate with you, but it's interesting for me to understand, wow, okay, people see the world in that way. And I may completely disagree. But what I can't stand is when people project and they keep attacking you and they want it to the point where it's like, you need to agree with me. You need to change your opinion. And that's when I kind of take a stance and I, I just do not stand for it.
0: No, interesting. Yeah, I found that like, a because do all the kids books and the Firefox novel and yeah. stuff like that. It, this is one interesting thing. I popped it up a lot of the buy-sell pages, manager, rock mm. and buy buy-and-sell pages. And it actually looks like, what people do for fun is um, they follow all these buy and sell pages, and then they have like um, like chats with other people, like bagging out your product or
1: what? I know
0: it's, it's fun me out too, but like majority ninety five percent of people like with a with a fiver book when I chuck that up, they're like, oh yeah, looks good, looks like they were oh. positive. Then you got some people that were like this one lady was like, oh, it sounds shit, and this and like it the people had my back not that i mm. needed it yeah but they had oh well have you even read it like sh- take a picture of you and your book and stuff like that and they started like having my back like defending me type thing mm. was this person and this other guy was like oh unless you've got 20 years mining experience in 20 different sites you wouldn't know anything it's like man i've had 15 years mining experience yes. and five different sites the real question is why are you why are you changing sites every year? You're obviously getting yeah. sacked by something, mate. And then he just wanted to keep going, keep going. and up just, I wrote one more message and then I said, "Mate, I'm actually at work. I've got to go to sleep because I got to get up for day shift. You know, good luck with it. Good night." Yeah. Then, but then he got back on. I didn't respond because I already said bye. And this other guy was like, had my back like attacking him. It's like this big,
1: that's this big, thing going on.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. That's out.
1: crazy. Yeah.
0: Um, where can people fi- we probably about five minutes left? Uh where can people find you online and find all your stuff?
1: Yeah, so I would say the best place to come connect with me is definitely my Instagram at Jess J-E-S-S-P-I-N-I-L-I. Um, from there's everything you need to know of how you can work with me. I have so much free resources as well. Um, also my website, jesscapinelli.com podcast, the Jessica Pinelli Podcast. And yeah, I'm always down for a chat. So don't be afraid to come follow me. Come have a chat. say so you listen to this podcast and we can, yeah, chat.
0: Cool. Any like words of wisdom or any sort of guidance or anything you want to leave with the audience?
1: Yeah, definitely. I would say don't let fear consume you. And just know that there is always going to be a 50% chance of failure. And even if you fail, that's great because you learn what doesn't work and you can just go the other way.
0: That's pretty good words. Did you find that like strangers, I think you commented on like when you popped up. I'll let you answer this anyway, but I'm pretty sure you answered a little bit. Did you find that strangers support you more than what your friends and family were or are?
1: I think so. And I think that's that's always going to be the case. Not that my friends and family don't support me, but I don't think... I think because I've changed this whole new identity um, that it's kind of... Because my most of my friends don't, you know, have their own businesses or do what I do or understand what I do, which is completely fine, right? But I think it's really hard for people who are close to you to accept when you change into something and someone different and not tr- choose a traditional path.
0: I totally agree. Um, cool. Um, yeah, might as leave it there. Thanks for coming on the show. Did you have fun?
1: Yes, I did. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, you're most welcome. Well, yeah, that's a wrap. I'd like to thank Jessica, Jessica again for coming on the show. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast and have a fantastic day. And don't forget to check out Jessica's podcast as well. All right, cheers. Bye.